Hey everybody, welcome to today's Take Heart. I want to begin a mini-series looking at prayer. A little while ago, Beth and I were doing a spiritual gifts quiz. It's meant to tell you what your spiritual gifts are. I don't think they're very accurate, but we were doing it. And uh, one of the questions was, have you ever found yourself just uh, praying for hours and uh, not realising how long you've been praying for and then suddenly looking at the clock and thinking to yourself, oh my word, where did the time go? Beth and I looked at each other, having read that question, and said, no, that has never happened to us. Um, sometimes I've found myself praying for three minutes and thinking, it feels like an hour. Um, where hasn't the time gone? But no, that's never happened. And uh, you may be a person who, for whom prayer comes easily, but for most of us, prayer is a bit of a challenge. It's quite hard. And often we associate feelings of guilt with prayer and we can end up feeling very much like beginners. I know that's where I'm at. When I look at the life of Jesus, I'm fascinated by his, his prayer life and the primacy of prayer in his life. So Jesus teaches about prayer quite a lot. Certainly he is the great teacher of prayer in the Bible. Moses, the law came through Moses, but he didn't teach people how to pray. The great prophets, uh, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, never taught people how to pray, but Jesus comes along and he does begin to teach people how to pray. We see that Jesus heals people um, when he prays for them. He talks about how certain demons can only come out by prayer. He, um, he gets very cross when he goes into the temple and the, you know, he throws the, ta the tables over and he gives a reason. He says, this is meant to be a house of prayer. Um, in his own life, he regularly sneaks off to spend time on a mountain by himself, sometimes all night, praying. He faced uh, kind of the greatest crisis of his life, his crucifixion, with prayer. So John 17, the Last Supper, Jesus prays this, this very long prayer for his disciples and for the church. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying, and finally, uh, he died whilst he was praying. Psalm 22, he was praying that on the cross. So prayer for him was front and center. Um, it runs like a bit like the word Blackpool on a stick of rock, just runs all the way through the rock. It, prayer just runs all the way through his life. And, and when I see that, um, one of the responses in me is actually not guilt, but it's just a genuine question. What am I missing? You know, is it possible for prayer to become something that sustains me? Yes, it may always be uh, a discipline, but is it, is it possible for prayer to become something that I enjoy? And Jesus' disciples noticed his prayer life and they asked him, they, they said, will you teach us to pray? They would have been taught to pray as any Jew uh, was raised knowing how to pray with formulas and things like that. But they wanted to know how to pray like he prayed. And so he taught him, he taught them, and, and it's the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that you're probably familiar with. Um, and uh, it begins in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, with the words, Our Father. And I want to unpack a bit more of what it says over the coming days, but just those two words, let's begin there, Our Father, because that, I think, is the key to Jesus' prayer life, and it's the key to ours as well. Now, I don't know if you would classify yourself as a nerd, um, I probably would think I'm a bit of a nerd. Uh, this is for all the nerds out there. If you need some definition to, to see if yourself is in that category or not, I would say it's anyone whose favourite board game is Scrabble. Anyone who has watched all of the extended edition of The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and has learnt some Elvish. 
anyone uh, who has any item of Star Trek clothing. But anyway, if you're a nerd, listen up, because this is for you, right? In the Old Testament, the word father is used 1,200 times. In the New Testament, the word father is used 415 times. That's kind of what you would expect proportionally, because the Old Testament is three times longer than the New Testament. It uses the word three times more, roughly. Um, but here's where it gets, it gets interesting. Uh, in, in the Old Testament, the word father, of the 1,200 times it's used, 40 times it talks about God. That's about 3% of the times it's used. But in the New Testament, that proportion changes massively. So in the New Testament, of the 415 times the word is used, 260 of those, it's talking about God as Father. That's 63% of the times it's used, it's talking about God. Now, what's just happened is all the nerds who are listening to this, they have knocked Scrabble off the table. They have ripped off their Star Trek t-shirt. They're swinging around their heads. They are screaming hallelujah in Elvish because they get what the rest of us haven't got yet, which is what that says to us. It says the way that we are able to relate to God shifts massively from the Old Testament to the New Testament. In the New Testament, we relate to him as father. And the reason for that difference is because of the arrival of the son. It's the arrival of Jesus. When Jesus talks about God, he talks about him as father. When he prays significantly, every time Jesus prays, with the one exception of when he's praying Psalm 22 from the cross, he addresses God as father. And I'm sure some of you will be familiar with this, but the word that he uses is an Aramaic term, Abba, which means daddy. It's, it's a term of intimacy. Think of intimacy captured in a word. That's what you've got right there. Not only does Jesus refer to God as Abba, as father, but that's what he teaches us to do as well. And there are some references to the Jews calling God Father, as I just mentioned, but there's no reference to the Jews ever calling God Daddy, Abba, until Jesus turns up. And he tells us that is what we're to do. In those two words, our Father, the Gospel is summarised. Because the purpose of Jesus' mission was to make his, his Father our Father. Um, we become the children of God because of what he's done. So what that means is when we pray, we are approaching Abba. We're coming to Daddy. And we begin there. This isn't just the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. This is the beginning of all prayer. It is the first and the simplest and, and yet the last and the highest lesson when it comes to prayer that it's based on our relationship with God, not only as a creator, not only as a protector, but as a father to us. One of the things that it means is it means intimacy. We're not shouting at a God who is distant from us. Another thing it means for us is it means the goodness of the father is what's like front and center. You know, I'm talking to a father who, who knows me, who has known me from the womb, even as I know my kids, or maybe not from the womb, but from the moment they were born, I, you know, I've watched over them, I see them, I understand them. I, it, we're talking to a father who knows us, 
Jesus says to us repeatedly in different ways. Uh, he talks to us of the, the generosity of the Father, the willingness of the Father to listen to us. He's assuring us that the Father knows what he, we need and will look after us. This is the God that we come to. And the key to beginning to enjoy prayer is realising it's not about enjoying prayer, it's about enjoying our Father. Jesus says when, it, when he's talking about prayer, go into a room by yourself, keep it simple, keep it real, and here's where you start. So what I find incredible is that I can walk into a room, shut the door, the creator of the universe is there, he is the one who knows all things. He is the one who rules all things. He is the one who is sovereign. And I get to say, and you get to say, hey dad. That's where we begin. Hey Abba, hey Papa, hey. That's where enjoying prayer begins. It begins with enjoying God. It begins with our Father.